Um, we're in the middle of a sermon series on the um, Lord's Prayer. I was just going to say the Sermon on the Mount, but that was the last one. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the line in there, um, give us today our daily bread. But before we get to that, I kind of wanted to, to, I had a mental image of, of what the Lord's Prayer is. See, when I was a kid, uh, I was about 10 or 11, I loved Legos. And I had this huge tub of them, right? And it was like all the different sets and things that I'd collected from different places, and they're all in there all randomly. And we lived in this little rental house, and this rental house had the coolest thing if you were a kid. It had this table that's there in the countertop. Somebody had cut a hole in the middle of the countertop and put some kind of a uh, I don't know, motor or something underneath with a screw, and you could raise up the center of the countertop, and there were shelves in there for stacking your plates. But it was also underneath some other cabinets. And what I used to do is I would take my Legos, and I would build these huge castles and forts, and I would put them on top of that table, or that center part of the counter, and I'd turn on the, the, the motor, and it'd go, and it would get up against that cabinet, and my castles would explode all over the kitchen in the living room. And it was like just an amazing thing at 11 years old to watch this blow up, right? And then you go collect all the pieces and you build another one. But I was thinking about this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and, and thinking about how really what it is, is it's a prayer to bring those pieces of our life back together. I mean, if you look around at our world right now, it kind of feels like God started off with this great plan and everything just sort of blew up. I mean, there's chaos everywhere. And, and you'll find cool pieces. Like, ooh, that's a neat one. I like that. And that's kind of fun. But you also find stuff that's just not working right. You find stuff like, aha, Ukraine. Or you find stuff like fighting in our own homes and our families. You find stuff like our needs and our wants and our desires maybe are unchecked or that maybe are never met. And it feels like, you know, in some ways, this, this brilliant plan of what God had made and created has been kind of blown up. And the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for God to make that right. It's a, prepare, it's a prayer that, that God brings his kingdom to earth and helps make earth like it is in heaven. It's a prayer that God gives us what we need each day. It's a prayer that we can forgive and be forgiven. It's a prayer that we can, well, eventually see the restoration of all things and God having all authority and power. And it's a bit of a microcosm of what Jesus came to be and what he calls us to do. Now last week, Reggie was here, which was a ton of fun. And he talked with Brian up here on the stage about this, uh, this uh, prayer where our Father in heaven, hallowed be our name, your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the first part of this prayer is this lifting up and acknowledging God is holy and then praying that his will is done here on earth. That earth becomes like heaven. And then the next part of the verse is this in Matthew 
Give us today our daily bread. Pretty simple, right? Like, give us today what we need. I think it's kind of cool that that we start off with by praying that somehow we get our focus on God and what God wants to do in our world. But then the next thing that Jesus does is he says, but pray also for just the basic things. Pray for the basics of what you need, right? Get in line with God's plan for the kingdom and then pray that God just provides what you need today. Now, I want to point something out here. The idea of bread is not just literally bread, right? I mean, this is a bigger thing than that. And in fact, bread in, in this day, now, typically the bread is made at home. So really, this is a symbol of, of providence, what we need, right? Grain actually was sort of the, the economic stable, staple and measurement of how an economy was doing in these days. Babylon usually literally measured their, uh, you know, trades and services by the weight of, of grains. And, and oftentimes grain was actually used as a monetary system. In fact, if you go to the book of Hosea, Hosea needs to buy back his adulterous wife who sold herself into prostitution. He, part of that is he buys her back with grain. Um, so there's all kinds of symbolism to this idea of bread and grain. But the basic idea is, God, give us exactly what we need for here, today, right now, for what we need to live. You know, I often wonder, when was the last time we actually prayed and needed to pray for what we need for today. I mean, think about it, right? You don't pray, God, what am I going to eat for lunch? You don't pray, like, God, give me what I need to survive this next 24-hour period very often. I mean, and there, you, you know, you could say there's echoes of this in an emotional sense, right? Like, I mean, we have lost somebody or there's been some kind of a tragedy or there's some kind of deep, like, just angst and longing or hurt or pain or I don't know how I'm going to get through today. And there's this, like, you know, God, come and meet me in this place. Help me survive. But we almost always pray that in an emotional sense, not in a literal help me eat today sense. And I got thinking about when was the last time I prayed this way? Like, help me get through today. Just basic needs. The other thing I could think of was when I was about, oh, I don't know, 20 years old or so, I, did, I felt called by God, and I've got to blame him because it would have been stupid if it was me, to try and hike across Oregon on the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, it was one of those things that just, I don't need to get into all the details, but I was praying New Year's Eve at midnight in a, in a cemetery, and it just came to me. There's a whole story there, but it just, I had this sense, you need to hike across Oregon this summer. And it just grabbed my heart, and I couldn't let it go. Now, here's the thing. I had never gone backpacking before. 
I'm like 19, 20 years old. I have never like gone out into the wilderness. And I, you know, the dorky kid, right? I walk into REI and I'm like, so I'm going to hike across Oregon. What do I need to do? Can I get a book and some stuff? <laughs> and that guy made bank if he was working on commission. But it was just this, I'm going to do this. And the first day when I started hiking, like I started out with all the ambition and a 75-pound pack not having worked out ahead of time. I lived at 200 feet of elevation. I started at 7,000 feet. I was going to do eight miles the first day and 22 the next. And I made it two miles, including falling in a snowdrift and watching my pack tumble down the mountain and all my gear go flying. I went to bed that night literally writing in my journal while crying with tears, I don't even like hiking. (laughs) I learned on that trip to pray, help me get through today. In fact, the next day, I got so tired, I literally counted my steps. I counted 14,682 steps before I finally got to a road and cheated and hitchhiked. <laughs> got picked up by this lovely hippie van with like six people and four dogs. And anyway, it was a ton of fun. But I literally prayed, help me get through today. Now, and I had planned ahead. I had like food drops and all kinds of stuff. There was this guy on the trail who went by the trail named Wolf. And he had hiked, I don't know, however many thousands of long-distance miles, but he went by the trail named Wolf because he never planned ahead for food. I mean, you want to talk about putting, give me today what I need to eat into plans. He would walk into these little stores or wherever. I mean, he'd be like, okay, I got seven days to the next store. What do you got? I'll buy it. And he would hike like seven days with mini Snickers bars and peanut butter cups. Talk about being committed to what we need today. But really, since that time, I don't know that I've ever really needed to pray that. I prayed for safety. Been in rough situations, particularly on the mission field, where it's like, hmm, it'd be really nice if you could deliver me from this. But not that I would have enough. And in fact, today when I leave here and I'm going to lunch, the stress of that decision will be because I have so many options and I try and sort out what I've eaten over the last week to decide what I don't want to repeat. As opposed to, what do I need today? And I think there's a danger in that. Right at the heart of this prayer is, God, I need you to provide for me today. It's interesting, there's echoes of this prayer in Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, which is a prayer that I don't think we pray a whole lot. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing in steel. 
profaning the name of my God? Do we pray, God, don't give me too much? Do we intentionally try and get ourselves in a place where really today we know we rely on God? And for me, the answer is no. And I kind of wonder what we miss because of that. I mean, I don't know about you, but are you closer to saying, wow, look at how much I have and how much I've gotten and how much I've done and look what I've accomplished? Or are you closer to saying, God, I'm so desperate, I'm going to steal because I'm going to starve? You see, right in the middle, there's this place where we are reminded and called to pray Give us today what we need. Of course, that's not saying that we throw everything to the wind and just never plan for anything. I mean, 1 Timothy 5.8 talks about if you, if you don't care for your family and provide for them, you're worse than an unbeliever. But it's an awareness and a realization that everything that we have is a gift today where we trust God. Of course, there's echoes of, of this throughout the Bible all over the place. I mean, if you look up bread in the Bible, it's fascinating. Do it sometime. We don't have all the time to go into all the study, but y'all can, you know, do Bible study yourselves. So Google bread in the Bible and check it out. It's pretty interesting. But one of the main places that we see this idea of daily bread is somewhere out of the Old Testament. Does anybody want to guess where? Brian asked rhetorical questions. I ask literal ones. Huh? Exodus. <laughs> My wife got that wrong. <laughs> we'll talk later. Uh. <laughs> But Exodus, right? The Israelites are wandering in the desert for 40 years. And in Exodus 16:4, then the Lord says to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Spoiler alert, they didn't. But God literally said, each day I will give you what you need for today while you follow me in the wilderness. You know, fast forwarding into Deuteronomy on the other side of this. Moses is telling the disciples or the Israelites what was going on. He says in Deuteronomy 8.3, he, God, humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Pop quiz, where have we heard that before? Jesus, when he was tempted... 
God said, you know, I set this up so that each day you trust me for what I will provide. And humble you so you realize it's not your own self that provides all that you need. And I did it so that you would learn that you don't just live on the basics of what you have, but you rely on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, and I can't help but wonder in our society, how much anxiety would go away if we really believed that our actual life is based on the word of God and knowing him and not just on how much we have and how comfortable we are and how full our bellies are. I mean, if you didn't have to worry about your credit score, if you didn't have to worry about your house payment and your car payment and your credit card payment and on and on and on, how much anxiety would go away? If you weren't stressing about retirement and your 401k and your future income and how you're going to support your kids when they drop out of school and become musicians and whatever. <laughs> I like musicians. There's something wrong with that. How, how much of our worry would go away? How much more could we focus on realizing that we don't just live by what we collect and get. But we're meant to live by the words of God. One of the greatest gifts that I had is after I came back from that backpacking trip, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip for two months. And I had no money. And it's kind of a whole long story how I ended up getting like moved to go on this mission trip and it all falling into place. But long, long and the short of it was, it was like 1999 and I needed $4,800 to go on this mission trip. And I didn't have any. And my parents were in the middle of an ugly divorce and they certainly, certainly didn't have a whole lot to give me. And so I started praying talked to my church and they gave me some and I had a small group that I'd been part of in the past and they gave me some and had this guy that I worked with who was Mormon and some Mormon lady gave me some. Thing after thing after thing came in. And in like four months I had this money to go. I, I will tell you ever since then I have never felt called to go on a mission trip and not had God provide. And I have led hundreds of people on mission trips and I have never had somebody say, I feel really strongly called to go on this trip and not had God provide. It was amazingly freeing. But I came back from that and I had no job and I had no anything. And the pastor that I had worked with had stepped down from the church and was teaching at a Mennonite or became the principal of a Mennonite school. And he said, hey, I need a teacher for fourth through sixth grade. Would you be interested in doing that? I'm like, I don't know a thing about teaching. And he's like, it's all right, it's pace things. Like you just go through the work books with the kids. I was like, yeah, I can do that. He goes, okay, we can give you $250 a month. And I was like, great. And he said, but don't worry. We have a 15-foot travel trailer we can put behind the school for you. You can live in there. All right. And you can, you know, shower in the locker room. And you got the biggest kitchen of anybody that you know. 
And for a year, I lived in this travel trailer teaching school to Mennonite kids. And I got to say, I had so many amazing preserves and jams given to me by these little Mennonite ladies. I finally, about three months in, said, could someone give me some peanut butter? (laughs) I got like three tubs the next day. But literally for a year, somebody, somebody let me use their car. Somebody, you know, I was able, I had, like I said, I had a little bit of money, but, you know, I was able to pay for my cell phone. But somebody let me use their car and provided food for me, place to stay. I even got to go, like, on a ski vacation with some of my friends. Somebody gave me money to pay for lift tickets, and I learned to snowboard, and I hurt so bad. <laughs> but God provided. And I can honestly say from that experience, and this terrifies my wife, money money does not have a hold over me. When I eat it, it shows up. I absolutely know and believe that God provides. And there's something amazingly freeing about that. You see, God gives us daily bread in the wilderness. So we learn that it's not just about that, but about him. And of course, God is practical about that. I mean, you're jumping on the, the bread and the Throughout the Bible theme, I mean, Jesus gives bread to people all the time, right? 4,000 people come and they're listening to him and they're learning from him and he's teaching them. And it's like, okay, well, everybody's hungry. We've been here all day. We're in the middle of the wilderness. Where are we going to get food? And he asks the disciples, where are you going to get it? And they go, well, I would toss a year's wages. Like, where are we going to get food for all these people? And he's like, give me the loaves. Come on. I can break it. 12 baskets of leftovers. Look, God will provide your basic needs. Focus your heart on me and on learning. I mean, I think that's the idea behind uh, John 6, 48 through 51, right? Where Jesus literally says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. That's cheery. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus says, literally the bread you need is me. You need me. Of course, communion, right? Like he takes the loaf of bread and breaks it. This is foam for the record. I'm not going to break it. It's not Jesus. But he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, which is given for you. So often as you eat this, remember 
me. You see, the heartbeat of all this, the heartbeat of what we do with all of our wants and our needs and our desires and our, our longing and just our basic sustenance is we should be turning to God and saying, what do I need? What, give me what I need. You are my bread. You are my life. And honestly, I really love that analogy because if you think about it, when you eat something, right, your body breaks down the starches, turns it into sugar, the sugar is dispersed through your blood, and we could, you know, I should have Emily talk about this. This is like her game, nutritionist. Uh, but turns into sugars, goes throughout our body, and is absorbed by our cells and formed of energy that then provide us the ability to move. What a cool analogy for Jesus. What if we literally thought about focusing ourselves and our lives on Jesus, about bringing him into us and having him permeate into every part and cell of our body and then be the power that enabled us to move into the world? What if literally how you lived what if literally how God's kingdom comes into the world is through Christ empowering your body? If today your daily bread was Jesus, how amazing would that be? But that's all kind of spiritual and ethereal. I said last week during announcements that I'd talk a little bit about my recent trip. And it is absolutely awesome that we focus on our spiritual need and the spiritual underpinnings of what this means to ask God for our daily bread. But as we pray that, realize that there literally are people who are praying daily for physical bread. I doubt any one of you will go home tonight wondering what you're going to eat for the rest of today. And probably not even our friends that are watching online wherever you're at. But there are people who are literally praying that. My last trip, uh, well actually this was a little while ago, Ojo de Agua. It's a village that we're partnering with in Honduras. They oftentimes literally pray that provide water for today. Provide food for today. These guys on this last trip in Togo, it's a missionary training institute that was started there. These guys, their conferences, their countries send them here to, to learn intertribal uh, mission work and reconciliation. They're sponsored by their conferences, 10 to $20 a month. Now, the Institute, fortunately, has people who help provide food and bought them 150 chickens and a bunch of goats and stuff to help provide. Well, these guys have been here two years going, God, help me, help me get what I need today. Incidentally, if you're on the prayer shift on a given day, there's the cleaning shift, the cooking shift, and the prayer shift. You pray three hours a day if you're them. Similarly, stop by this village and there's these women 
And these women have, they're mostly single or young. They don't have any income. They live in this little village. That I can't pronounce the name of the village, but basically it means feed yourself. <laughs> and they have no hope. Praying today, God, give me what I need. And of course, saving faith in Liberia, which we are partnered with, the next picture, there's these kids who wouldn't have any chance at an education if it wasn't for the people who are supporting them and encouraging them and sending them. Give us today what we need. And then, of course, right here in our own backyard, there's the mobile markets where there are people who line up for an hour and a half to wait for some boxes of food. Give us today our daily bread. And see, here's the thing for us. I think along with praying, God, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. Sometimes the answer to that prayer for the other people who are praying it is us. I mean, if you look in Luke 10, right, Jesus is sending out the 72 to go and proclaim who he is and to kind of prepare the ground for his work. And, and he says, starts off by saying to them, pray that the Lord of the harvest sends out workers into the field because the harvest is ready. Now go. You see, there's this both and peace where God calls us to pray, but then he also calls us to be the answer to that prayer. And honestly, I think there are times when God uses you guys who don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to eat today to answer the prayer of other people saying, God, help me eat today. And I'm really proud of our church and the way we have stepped up to do that. Because that is, well, that is what faith looks like lived out, right? I mean, James 2, 15 to 17 says this, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead. You see, we don't just get a wish because of our good fortune, food and clothing on others. And, ah, go do, you know, good luck, God bless. May he answer your prayer for daily bread. Now Jesus is like, ah, no, no, no. Remember that whole, like, you took me into your body and I'm empowering you? You get to answer that prayer. You get to be the ones that do that. And practically speaking, as a church, I got to say, I am amazingly proud of how well we have done that. You know, we show the picture of the mobile markets. There's been 23 of them that we have sponsored so far, and three additional ones we've sent volunteers to. Look at this cute picture. And in our community, there's an average of 263 families that are served at each one of the mobile markets. That means we've served 6,838 6, families. 
of that, there's roughly four or so people, individuals per family, which means we have provided meals and served 27,716 people over the last two years. We've given away an average of 10,654 pounds of food per mobile market, which means we've given 277,000-ish pounds of food over the last two years. Give us today our daily bread. Well, have a pork chop instead. Collectively, we've donated almost 1,200 volunteer hours just in mobile markets in our community alone. Good on you. That seems like it's worth an applause. For Bite to Go, where we send food home with kids over the weekend out of Eastgate, we provide, we're sponsoring 20 of the 50 students that, that need that as a church. With our offering a couple weeks ago, we just sent a check for $26,000 to help out in Ukraine with the humanitarian crisis there. We're not buying stinger missiles, we're feeding people. $26,000, you guys donated. You know, I show the picture of those, those women People like you have donated sewing machines and provided income for these people. And then they're sending materials, brought some back to the U.S. and we're selling them to people here who can afford a purse and providing daily food and bread for them. And similarly, those missionaries that are trying to learn how to go out. God has, through us, provided classrooms at the Missionary Institute. Which, by the way, they sing horribly off-key and so beautifully. This last quarter, we sent $35,000 to Ojo de Agua in partnership with Water from Wine that village that we talked about. And we are going to build a water system for the village, partnership with them. They're starting it now, as well as providing some help to join with them in building some homes that they need there. And incidentally, if you want to work on that or help with that, this June, June 15th through the 23rd, we're leading an adult trip down there. If you're at all interested, there's a sign-up sheet in our Connect booth. I'd love to give you information on that. Some of you I've already talked to, put your name down. Some of the rest of you, put your name down. It'd be about $1,500. But I wanted to share a letter of, or a, a video of invitation and welcome from Ojo de Agro real quick. Hey everyone, this is Eduardo and I'm with Joel. He is uh, the president of Ojo de Agua Village. And right now we are standing just in front of their water source. We are trying to start a water project in a couple of days in here. Um, we have been planning some of the activities that we need to do before we can start. And also we want to tell you that we are planning to bring an adult trip this coming June. And we will be very excited to have you here and 
meet all these amazing people and know this incredible place. And also, Joel wants to tell you something. Yo como líder de la aldea les invito a que vengan a nuestra comunidad este próximo junio. Les estaremos esperando con los brazos abiertos. Thank you, Joel. So remember, June 15 is the date, so we will be waiting for you. <laughs> Y'all got that? <laughs> I messaged Maria last night and went, how do I translate this? Uh, basically said, as the leader, I would like you to come to our community this following June. We will wait for you with open arms and hope to see you then. In addition to that, I just came back from Saving Faith in Liberia. Now, that school, because of our sponsorship, has increased in reputation in the community and has gone from 106 kids in attendance to about 200. So much so that they're, uh, well, you can see the kids in the classroom just packed in there. By the way, the little cute guy in the front there picking his nose, that's socially acceptable in Liberia. So if you do ever go on a trip with me there, <laughs> feel free, it's your chance. But we're building, they are building, not us, they are building five new classrooms because the students, the school is swelled. And here's a quick little thank you from Reverend Coley. Hillspring, thank you so much. We are very appreciative of the help you are giving to our kids and our school, even the church. We are happy because this is our dream and they are supporting our dream. They are working alongside with us. And this is what we have been expecting for a long time. And uh, we will not disappoint you. <laughs> we will do our very best. Whatever you send, they're going to be used for the intended purpose. Yeah, that is what we expected. That is what we've been praying for. They pray for friends like them. Mm. So thank you. We love yeah. you. We will continue to pray for you. So God can bless you, live long, and you get more funds to help us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Reverend Gully. It's, um, it's been awesome to, to be here and see what you're doing. So. All right, God bless. That's through our sponsorship program with International Child Care Ministries. And we have about 60 f students there that are sponsored by people in this church for $38 a month. Um, they have 200 kids at that school now. So if you would like to help with that, um, you'll see a banner back there. There should be some people back there to, to answer questions and help you with that. Um, I have about 35 new applications for sponsorship there. We're providing daily bread, education, all over the place. So the three of the little kids. And by the way, each one of these kids is only sponsored by one person. And so it's not just about the money, it's about the relationship. Writing letters, sending letters, talking back and forth. And those three are out there if you want. That all said, as the worship team comes up and we get ready to close here, when you pray, give us today our daily bread. 
Are you also praying that you're the answer to that prayer by others? Are you, are you letting God infuse your being and use you to do his work in our world? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are our provider, that even when we don't worry about our daily bread, that you meet us in all of our needs. And may you give us a heart that is tuned to you, to be your people, to not have our faith be static, self-focused, but lived out, providing, helping, serving. In Jesus' name, amen.